From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter And make believe it came from you Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of NAPS Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. This week, Congress passed a $908 billion COVID-related economic stimulus package, which included a holiday stocking stuffer for the Postal Service. The bill, H.R. 133, included a provision to convert the $10 billion line of credit that was part of the so-called CARES Act, which was enacted in March 2020, into a direct appropriation to the United States Postal Service. The funds are intended for operations and other expenses resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. The COVID package was merged with a year-end appropriations bill, which included reimbursement to the Postal Service for overseas ballots and mail for the blind. In addition, the measure included the perennial protection of six-day mail delivery. The final legislation deleted from the House-passed version of the bill a provision for postal banking pilot projects. After House and Senate passage of the negotiated bipartisan bill, President Trump threatened to withhold his signature from it. The Senate passed the bill by a 92-6 to vote, and the House passed the bill by a vote of 359-53. to In both houses of Congress, More than enough votes necessary to override a possible presidential veto were banked. We will be watching what happens. Now let's move to this week's chat. About three weeks ago, the Postal Regulatory Commission issued its final rules for implementing a revised system to adjust rates and classes for market-dominant postal products. Today, we have as our guest a postal expert who can help explain the implications of the PRC's final rules. I would like to welcome to NAPS Chat, Mark Fallon, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Berkshire Company. Welcome to NAPS Chat, Mark. Thanks, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here. As I said, Mark leads the Berkshire Company, a consulting firm that concentrates in mail and document processing strategies. Mark serves on the Postmaster General's Mailers Technical Advisory Committee, also known as MTAC, and the Postal Service's Postal Customer Advisory Council, where he is the industry co-chair for innovation and policy. He has been a well-received recurring speaker at the National Postal Forum for the last 25 years, as well as speaking at over 200 mailing industry events. Again, welcome to NAPS Chat, Mark. Now, Mark, let me begin with a question of how and why did you become, and I say this affectionately, a postal geek? And I take that affectionately. So it goes well beyond the 25 years that I've been speaking at the National Postal Forum because I am the son of a postal clerk. Growing up, my father, every day, headed off to the Postal Service Letter carriers, clerks, and postmasters were friends of the family. And when my father retired as a postal clerk, uh, as is often the case, my mother immediately went out and got a job because she couldn't stand him being home all alone. And she went to work for a direct mail house. So you could say that this is in my blood right from the beginning. Let me ask you this question because now we have something in common. My dad was a retired clerk also. Where was your dad a clerk? He was a clerk in Woburn, Massachusetts. 
And what's really important, we're recording this on the 23rd. So just 48 years ago, my father was on the front page of the Woburn Daily Times because he was the clerk who sorted the mail for the North Pole. My dad was Santa Claus. Did he uh, fulfill the Christmas wishes of uh, many children from up in the Massachusetts area? He actually did. And, you know, it's it's obviously old school and you, you and I have that long term. So now the Operation Santa is digital. People can go online and, and adopt families. Well, you know, in the 1960s, that wasn't available. And so what my father would do if they received a letter from a really needy child, they would pass the hat and the clerks and the carriers would pitch in and they would take care of that young child with their own funds. It's a great legacy to have in my background. And not to say that that compares with being uh, the clerk or the, 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 the clerk who delivered mail to Santa Claus, but my dad worked in something known as the, as the Postal Concentration Center in Long Island City, New York, which handled all the mail going to Vietnam during the Vietnam War. And you can just imagine how many gifts from families who had sons, daughters, uh, relatives overseas who were receiving Christmas packages this time of the year that transited the uh, Postal Concentration Center. That's so important. Those, those letters meant so much. Um, as a veteran, I can tell you there is nothing more powerful than a letter from home. Let me ask you this story about letters to home, from home. What is your first recollection of either receiving or sending mail? So probably, probably the summertime, I was probably maybe eight, nine, ten years old. You know, we always waited for the letter carrier to come down the street. Uh, his name was Tom Manley. Of course, we called him Mr. Manley. And we would always be there to greet Mr. Manley. And, you know, sometimes he'd let us run letters up to somebody's door or, or you know, run a package up to somebody's door. And then one day... He said, I've got something special. And it was it was a birthday card. It was from my uncle. And for some reason, he decided that year to mail me a birthday card. And it was just a fantastic memory. I can remember holding it, running home to show it to my mother. It was, you know, could I open it? Of course you could open it. It's addressed to you. It was just one of those great experiences and, and proof that when you touch mail, it touches you back. Now, Mark, let's talk about business. Uh, you're the chief executive officer of a company that could be confused with Berkshire Hathaway, the company led by Warren Buffett, who you are not. Uh, so can you tell me a bit about the Berkshire company? Yes, we, we, we have been confused with Berkshire Hathaway, even in Omaha. But so our role as consultants is we work with both mail owners and mail process service providers. So that means we help companies find the best way to send mail to their customers. Most of our clients are sending transactional first-class mail. So it's insurance companies, utilities, healthcare companies, healthcare providers. So we're helping them find the right technology and the right partners to make sure that their mail is handled efficiently through the postal service. So you represent the interests of transactional mailers. That's a facet of the mail stream that has been diminished over the past, say, decade. Do you have any recommendations on how to boost mail volume in that area? Well, the, the important part is, is the mail still relevant? So what is the difference between that physical mail piece 
and the email notification or the text notification that you get from a company. And that's where it becomes important. And that's where we work with their IT departments. We work with their marketing departments. What else can they add to the mail that makes it even a stronger connection to their client? I mean, think about it. When you think of your utility company, you probably don't think about them when you turn on the lights, correct? That's You, you interact with them every day, but you don't really think about them. You think about them when you pay that bill every month. So how do you take that payment and turn it into something stronger? And there's a lot of ways to do that. One of the best tools the Postal Service created over the last decade has been the informed delivery platform. Smart, intelligent mailers are using that to get that extra touch. So it's, it's combining and bridging the physical and the digital worlds together but you only get to use it if there's also a physical piece. So using things like informed delivery, using things like intelligent marketing, something a little bit more than just a glossy stick on there, something that's relevant to me, and making that mail piece something more than just a bill. Have you been successful with your clients in terms of boosting the value added within the mail pieces that they send? Yes. Yeah. We have had companies that they have changed the way they send ID cards. They've changed the way they send policies that they are able to send documents that create a response. The other part is creating, I'm going to say, insight to the whole process. So now they know when a mail piece has been received by the client and they can do a follow-up, or they can prepare their customer service folks so that when the calls come in, they are prepared to explain what it is that person received. It's all about creating an entire environment where that letter is the keystone that holds everything together. As I mentioned earlier, you are a member of MTAC, the Mailless Technical Advisory Committee, and the Postal Customer Council, and a perennial speaker at the Postal Forum. What do these entities do, and do they make an impact on postal operations and policy? So the one that makes probably the greatest impact on postal operations and policies is MTAC, and that is actually part of the mission. It is to look at specific areas, to be involved with testing, to be involved with development of rules and regulations. And so that the Postal Service, before just creating a new rule that's going to impact industry, they get input on how that change may impact the individual mailer or the service provider. I've been involved with subcommittees on MTAC, one involving address management. What are the tools that mailers can use to be compliant with postal regs? <laughs> Even more importantly, Bob, how do they make sure the mail gets delivered? Right? That's, that's the real important part. The, the Postal Customer Councils, the role there, along with the National Postal Forum, is about educating the mailers around those policies. So I run webinars for Postal Customer Councils explaining things like the new rate increase, explaining things like the move update requirement, teaching mailers how to get the most out of what they're doing, but also staying compliant with policies. 
The forum takes that one step further in that they bring in the third-party vendors, right, the software companies and the hardware companies, so that mailing professionals can hear from postal officials, they can hear from industry experts, and they can hear from vendors who will sell them products or services to help them make mail relevant and make mail efficient. One of the documents that you put out is how to properly address a piece of mail, because a lot of companies don't do it correctly, as we found out early on in the election process for absentee ballots, where there were a number of vendors who were incorrectly placing residential addresses on absentee ballot applications, and they were returned to the uh, to the election board. Have you worked with any of these uh, vendors who actually print absentee ballots? Have they asked for your help? So we, we have worked with one of the vendors who prints vote-in ballot or mail-in ballots is the appropriate term. And these were one of those people that you didn't read about in the news because they were successful. So I can only say that. I do have to respect my non-disclosure agreement. But they spent a lot of time working on the proper design of the envelope to make sure that the right addresses were being read and that the addresses were run through the appropriate software to make sure that they were coded correctly, they had the correct ZIP plus four, and they had the correct intelligent mail barcode. All of that becomes so important, and it's why many counties, towns, and states were successful with the mail-in campaign and the mail-in election this year. As you said, we don't hear about the success stories. We only hear where there are hiccups and speed bumps along the way. Now, if we can turn our attention to the recent and long-awaited Postal Regulatory Commission final ruling on postal rate setting, I know that you've written about that and you've spoken about that. The ruling had should have been issued back in 2017, but the Postal, postal Regulatory Commission vacancies and transitions delayed the rules. Generally speaking, the 2006 Postal Law, the so-called uh, Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act, PAIA, created a system by which postage adjustments for market-dominant products could be increased by no more than inflation other than for exigent circumstances. However, the law also provided that uh, 10 years after enactment, which would have been in 2016, the commission was to review rate setting, uh, the rate-setting process and implement changes if the PRC found that the existing rate system failed to meet certain criteria, and it reached that conclusion. So can you generally, at 20,000 feet, explain what the issues were for the Postal Regulatory Commission? Because you have spoken a lot on this particular issue. I have, and some people would say I've spoken too much, Bob, and now I'm going to speak even more. And I, I think my voice will be very loud during 2021. So the, the PRC... I think very intelligent, looked at several factors that would be reasons for increasing the rate of mail changes beyond the rate of the CPI, which I have argued since the passage PAEA back in 2006 was a bad index to use to begin with. And after several attempts and several filings, the final rule was published Five, order 5763. It went into the Federal Register last week, and it allows for increases above the rate of inflation, primarily based on two areas that are outside of control of the Postal Service. So the first is known as the Density Rate Authority. That is 
how many letters per address is the Postal Service delivering? If the Postal Service delivers fewer letters to every address and less mail to every address, it costs more per piece. The Postal Service doesn't set the volumes, which, as you noted earlier on in this discussion, have decreased over time, have dropped off like crazy during the pandemic, nor does it impact or have any control over how many new addresses are created. There's over a million new houses built every year in the United States. So the Postal Service has no control over those factors. So using not a very straightforward formula, it's actually a rather complex formula when you look at it, the Postal Regulatory Commission will allow the Postal Service to have up to an additional point on percentages for increasing postage rates. The other is another uncontrollable expense, which is the Retirement Rate Authority. Now, the Retirement Rate Authority actually has three components. The first is the retiree health benefit payment, which is part of the 2006 law, which causes or caused and continues to cause a lot of problems for the Postal Service. They're the only institution that I'm aware of that has a payment for future retiree health benefits. But then there are two additional payments, and one is for FERS, the Federal Employee Retirement System, and the other is for the old CSRS system, the Civil Service Retirement System. So the Postal Service has to make payment into these three buckets, but the Postal Service doesn't set that amount. Those amounts are either set by legislation, as with the retiree health benefits, or through the Office of Management and Budget, OMB, for FERS and CSRS. So again, these are areas that the Postal Service can't control. So if these adjustments are more than the previous year, the Postal Service can then again request some additional authority. So basically, there are these small increases the Postal Service would be allowed to have above the rate of inflation in order to maintain at least a break-even state going forward. It's my understanding that the limit is it could not exceed 2% above the, CP, uh, above the CPI for adjusting these rates for these uncontrollable costs. Is that accurate? That, that is entirely accurate. It's one, one percentage point per each area. And, and these will be, you know, if you, if you read the postal annual review or their financial reports, these are what would be considered uncontrollable costs, correct? That's correct. N- neither of these costs are set by the Postal Service, and they cannot directly influence those costs. And these are not subject to collective bargaining, because I know there's been a lot of complaints by uh, certain mailers about the Postal Service within the context of collective bargaining causing an impact on costs. But th- this is excluded. This is not included in that analysis. That's, that's entirely correct. And, you know, that's why you, you don't see anything in here about things like Medicare or, or any of those type of payments. The PRC specifically stayed with what is controlled either by legislation, by population changes, or by OMB. There are some mailers out there that are contesting the Postal Regulatory Commission's authority to provide for this uh, supplemental authority to raise rates beyond the CPI. Could you explain what that discussion is about, what that disagreement is about? Oh, it's beyond that. It's now a court case, Bob. (laughs) On on December 18th, a joint petition was filed by four groups, the Alliance for Nonprofit Mailers, 
the Association for Postal Commerce, the Association for Magazine Media, and the American Catalog Mailers Association. So they filed a case in the Court of Appeals, uh, which, by the way, was followed yesterday by a second case that was filed by the National Postal Policy Council and the Major Mailers Association. So the, the second case merely asked the courts to review. However, the first case, the petition claims that the PRC has exceeded its statutory authority with these orders. And they request that the orders be declared unlawful and set aside. And the, now, ar- the argument is-, is that the statute did not provide with the, po- the Postal Regulatory Commission the authority to go beyond the CPI. Is that the argument? That, that's exactly the argument. And the PRC's response, which is in the order, is that it clearly states that the PRC is to review the rate-setting system and make recommendations for changes based upon what is actually occurring. And it's important to note that two of the commissioners were directly involved with writing this legislation. Chairman Taub was working for Representative McHugh, who was considered the main author of the Postal Affordability and Accountability Act of 2006. And Commissioner Fisher was working for Senator Collins, who wrote many of the other changes within the act. So two of the commissioners were right there when these laws were being written, and I think truly understand the legal implications of what they're doing, these are not taken lightly. While I wouldn't break personal confidence, I have spoken with several of the commissioners. This has been well thought out. This is not the the term used in the filing was these are capricious rules. They are not capricious. These were well thought out. As you said, in, in some ways, these should have taken place in 2017 but the PRC did have vacancies and then there was a pandemic that got hit. So they have taken the time, they have been thoughtful, they have listened to industry and they have made the changes. I'm not a lawyer, I don't play one on TV, but I am hopeful that the Court of Appeals will strike down these petitions. The adjustment goes into effect in January, no matter what. And then the court will review them after the fact? or no, do you- The court can review the order now because the order has been published. Mm-hmm. The question will be is, will the Board of Governors take advantage of the authority, or the additional authority, while there are cases before the appeals court? Is the bo- Looking the- at the current... But the board of Govern- Go but the board of governors would be acting on the authority provided by the Postal Regulatory Commission. Does the court case enjoin the Postal Board of Governors from actually using that authority? No. So they the Postal the, the Board of Governors is- the, the Board of Governors can do it right now and implement it as soon as they can. And if the if if as we hope doesn't happen, if, if the court would basically rule not in favor of the PRC that adjustment would be would have to be revoked, correct? If if the Postal Service implemented the rate adjustment. Correct. If the Board of Governors made a decision to take advantage of the additional authority and file a supplemental rate case for 2021, then it would go forward and then it would kind of 
be in limbo until the court case was decided. Based upon the current makeup of the board, I would find it highly unlikely that they will file anything until after these cases have been decided. Okay, so we're in a state of limbo at this point until the court rules Correct. one way or another. That's at least your view at this That's point. Correct. Let me pivot to a different question right now. Uh, this has been a challenging nine months for the Postal Service. Uh, you have, we've had the pandemic, a new Postmaster General, accusations of politicization of the agency, service reductions, uh, vote by mail. How do mailers, do you think, view the challenges that have been confronted by the Postal Service this year? Hmm. So it depends upon the class of mail you work with and depends upon your business model. So it's been even a greater challenge for the industry than it has been for the Postal Service. And the reason why I say that is because these are private companies, most of them, who print and create the mail that the Postal Service delivers. And many of them are closing, and they will not be afforded to stay open until either this relief comes through through the latest bill that you started the podcast with describing, or something changes. So the vaccine, I know that many of my clients are very excited about that. Their workers have been coming to work every day because mail has been considered essential in most states. So the 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 outlook is, I would say nervous at this point. You have, you know, the decline in marketing mail is directly tied to the economy. That's been proven time and time again. If you look at the decline after the 2008-2009 recession, you're going to see that happen again. And as the Postal Service has pointed out, we'll stick around for longer than 2021. The other decline that I'm concerned about is with first-class mail. You talked about the decline in first-class mail. Most of that has been on the payment side. So when you look at the volumes of first-class mail, there's single-piece letters and there's commercial first-class mail. So the mail going out and the mail coming back in. The decline has always been in the single piece, You know, sometimes 5%, 6%, while the decline in commercial first-class mail has generally stayed between 2 and 4%. Right now, that decline is around 10%. So think about that. That's bills which still have to go out, pandemic or no. That's policies. That's cancellation notices, right? All of those things have started to migrate to digital at an increased rate. And that is something we all need to keep our eyes on for 2021. So let me end with this question, and that brings us to 2021. What do you see on the postal horizon for next year? <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy road. The I'll, I'll start with something that is, is positive. How's that? And I'll try to end on something that's positive. So on something positive is that President-elect Biden has named former Deputy Postmaster General Ron Stroman to head up his transition team for Postal Service Matters. I've been following this industry for decades. It's the first time I can remember a former postal official being tapped by any incoming administration to look at postal matters. So that means the administration is paying attention. So that's the, I want to start with that being good news. Second is based upon what's happening right now with the 
overwhelming number of packages that have been sent through combined with the rising cases of COVID-19 across the country, the Postal Service is having a very tough peak season. Based upon the adversarial relationship, I would say, that exists right now between Congress and the Postal Service, you can expect hearings to come in January or early February to find out what happened and could things have changed, which leads to, you know, I'm going to end on, on another hopeful note. If you remember in September when the problems were first came up about potentially issues with election mail, the Postmaster General reached out to the head of the four unions. So he, he created a task force with uh, the mail handlers union, the postal workers, the letter carriers, and the rural letter carriers. I don't know if NAPS and UPMA were involved as well, but he reached out to the associations and the unions and said, how do we work together? I think that he should take a page out of his own playbook and do that exact same thing right now. How do the associations, the unions, and the postal service work together to overcome the challenges that are in front of them. Yes, uh, NAPS did participate in conversations with the Postmaster General, and uh, we did focus actually on the uh, election mail particularly because that was the most uh, pressing issue, I, I think, in the fall. And, and we did work very well with the Postmaster General and upper-level management in that particular area. I do want to thank you, Mark, uh, for joining us uh, today on NAPS Chat. Uh, Mark Fallon is president and CEO of the Berkshire Company. Uh, we're going to take a one-week hiatus from NAPS Chat next week and enjoy the holiday season. Uh, so, Mark, once again, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Bob, and happy holidays to everyone in the Postal Service. Thank you for delivering every day. Thanks, Mark. And to our listeners, if you enjoy NAPS Chat, please leave a positive review on the Apple Podcast Store. And more important, tell your friends to download our podcast and listen in. Be well and be safe until next year. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter and make